everyone. Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here with Bonnie McFarlane, comedian, author, producer, director, podcaster, Canadian. Welcome. Thank you. A mother. Mother. Know, I forgot mother. Wife. And the, the, the important ones. That's right. Wife first, mother Do you second. cook? Uh, not very well. I well, just found out because my, my daughter and my husband kind of told me. <laughs> that, it, that it's not very well. <laughs> I thought I was. I thought I was killing it, but then they said, "No, you're not very good at cooking." What kinds of things are you not good at cooking? Well, I'm a vegan. Oh, right. And then I cook f- meat stuff for them, but I can't taste it. Mm-hmm. Is that gross for you to to cook it? Not so much, but I I get grossed out eating it. Yeah, I you know it's like I I I stopped eating meat because I never knew where it was coming from. It just seemed gross, and sometimes you take it out of the package and it smelled bad. Mm-hmm. But I feed it to my family. <laughs> That's fine. I am finding more and more that like I'm having more and more trouble with the cognitive dissonance of like this packaged meat is not an ant. Like more and more I just see the animal when I look at it. I feel like I'm on yes. the But I've been a, for a while I've been on the road to vegetarianism or veganism, I think. Um I don't know what good it is for me to be like, I think I want to head there, but I'm not there yet. But well, you still. know, the, the the vegans, they're always doing like, why don't you try one day a week? We're always <laughs> just trying to get you, suck you yeah. in. So I don't know, what what do I care what you, other people do? But well, I'm always like, well, you But know. I would think if, I mean, I think if I were, hey, I personally, even though I'm not one, I think it'd be great if everyone gave it up. So I could understand if you really have committed to that lifestyle, wanting other people to give it up because- it's so good for the environment. And also it's cruel to animals to raise them. I don't care about that and- part. <laughs> Are you really one of those who, where it's about the environment? No. I mean, I'm really about the fact that it grossed me out. Yeah. I, I grew up on a farm mm-hmm. where we, we had a, a, a dairy farm and we also, you know, we um, butchered cattle and pigs sometimes and definitely chickens. Mm-hmm. I cut the heads off chickens. Oh my God. Um, and people say, oh, that's, they pointed that that's why you're a vegetarian. But really, it's because I hate the way that the government, okay, now I'm getting all weird, but th- they poison us and we're just supposed to take it. And um, like, I, I think I I might still eat meat if, like, if I killed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've heard people make this argument. If I was, if I knew exactly, because I, I think it's like, you know, it is the cycle of life because I, I grew up on a farm. I understand it's not. Um, it's just, it's just the way that we do it. It's mm-hmm. disgusting. Are you talking about factory farming? Factory or? farming and just, you know, the inhumane practices and the fact that, you know, that they pump them full of, um, antibiotics and that has to get into your system. Right. And, you know, it's just, it's not healthy. So it was, let me rephrase this question. Was it upsetting growing up on a farm? Um, I did not like killing the chickens i will say that was that like your chore How did that this was happen? my chore every spring was because i really wanted my dad's approval so um nobody wanted to do it and i was like i'll do it you know so i would um do it but I, it's still kind of 
it, it's in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that part of it. Did that make you a comedian? I am joking. <laughs> I don't know, but it might have had something to do with my um, absurd sense of humor. Or did wanting your dad's approval make you a comedian? Um, you know, a, wanting your dad's approval makes you a stripper. <laughs> And wanting your mom's <laughs> approval makes you a comedian, I think. That's interesting. Um, you're the youngest of many kids, right? Of uh, four. The of four girls. Four girls. Yeah. You're the, there are four of you, including you? Yes. That, that qualifies as many to me. Yeah, and where in Canada? More than, you, it's more, than, more than you can carry at one time, I think. <laughs> too many. Where in Canada did you grow up? Uh, Northern Alberta. What was your childhood like? So it was, you know, very, um, very rural, very salt of the earth we were really really poor when i was growing up no running water no television it was like the 1800s my sisters and i rode horses every day instead of you know we'd where, ro- we we rode bikes too but we rode our horses <laughs> every day it where, was just like this weird when i think back on it it seems bizarre where did you get childhood. your water did you have a well so we had a well um and then uh you had to be very careful that the well didn't go dry so you couldn't use too much water mm-hmm. because I don't know what happened when the well went dry. It had to be like reprimed or something. It took forever. So my mom would like melt snow on the stove and, you know, we did wow. weird things. How did you bathe? I, this is like, people always ask this. This is so shameful, this part of it. <laughs> but my, my daughter said in her class, they were talking, they're reading some book where she goes, in the book, they said the kids had to bathe together, and we were all like, "Ew, gross!" <laughs> and I was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> "Because there was a lot of kids in one bathwater mm-hmm. in our family." Like yeah. how many times a week? So we did a major bath on Saturdays or Sundays, and then we did the the whore baths. <laughs> my mom taught us no <laughs> from her previous life. And then how did I feel? And I'm sorry. I feel like I'm asking the most basic questions that must come up when you mention this, but going to the bathroom. So we had a, um, I don't know if it was like, if you bought this, like this can, it was like, if you don't have a toilet, there's a can. <laughs> and then there was a toilet seat on it. Uh-huh. And then we would go in that. And my dad would every whatever, Wow. I don't know if it was once a day or twice a day, he would take it somewhere and throw it out. And I never, I don't know where he took it. I never, I never researched that. How did it go when you guys got periods? Oh, so then by that point we had running water. Oh, so this was just for the first, you know, I think second grade we got, I got, we got running water. Was that super exciting? Um, It was, we got a new house and um, we would go like, you know, but we still had a well, so we still had to be careful about Mm -hmm. the well. And the farm was before second grade or after or both? So we had a farm and then um, my dad had a lot of land. So my mom and dad, uh, my mom got pregnant. My dad and her got married in a, you know, quickie wedding. They were both from farming families in Saskatchewan and they had no money and they ended up, they had, my grandmother gave them a piece of land in Alberta. So they drove to Alberta, you know, which was, I don't know, I don't know how many miles, you know. 350 miles away and um then uh they farmed that land and built a house on it and you know worked their tails off to to and then my mom's a school teacher um but she told me once uh, and I put this in the book I can't believe it they didn't have a telephone so she was a a um what do you call those teachers were they um like a substitute teacher mm-hmm. And I was like, how did, how did you they get, get in touch? Yeah. yeah. The the principal would have to drive out to their farm 
and it was these roads that were like you know they they had hadn't had real like graveled roads yet because they had just built their house i was like i i i bet you were the last one on the list to get, <laughs> right like you were never like let's get that heather in here <laughs> it was like <laughs> right we've exhausted every other <laughs> teacher um yeah what were you like? Oh, by the way, the book, You're Better Than Me, you can get that yes. uh, probably at all bookstores, but also Amazon. I will put a link in yep. the show notes. What were you like as a kid? So I know you rode a horse, took a bath once a week. Yes. <laughs> killed some chickens. Laura Ingalls Wilder. <laughs> what else? <laughs> um, creative. You know, I wrote a lot of stories. I wrote a lot of stories about my family, which would I would get their voices exactly right which would make me laugh so hard. I don't know why. Just writing, like, writing like satire that's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of satire is still my favorite, where mm-hmm. it's so close to the real thing. You right. Know? Um, like sometimes when I'm watching Saturday Night Live and then a real commercial comes on, I'll start laughing because mm-hmm. I think it's a parody, but it's so close to the real thing. Right. I'm like, oh, they are. N-. And then it's like a real commercial. Like, yeah. Oh. i know i have that reaction too and also sometimes with their sketches when at the end when all of a sudden it gets crazy then it like loses me a tiny bit yeah you know um so okay so you wrote stories creative did you want to be a writer was that your first Mm -hmm. ambition always wanted to be a writer um and i think probably because we didn't have television and uh you know it just you know we had a lot we had a 10 acre garden and we sold a lot you know a lot of the vegetables and stuff at the farmer's market uh once a week um before the bath (laughs) 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 and um and uh uh so when you're out there just doing this mindless like you know weeding or picking peas or whatever right you know i'll just be making up stories all the time So so what was your um exposure to entertainment and showbiz like like when did that happen? Well, it you know, it's weird because we were allowed to read any book that we wanted. You know, that was always my mother never uh um cared about what we read. We were, you know, we were there was no censorship. Mm-hmm. Um so we did a ton a ton of reading. Nothing great, just, you know, books that my, you know, a lot of westerns that my dad <laughs> had and stuff. Um but um were you reading magazines too? No magazines. I remember a friend um, of the neighbors, like a cousin or something, uh, this girl had come and she lived in Edmonton, the big city, and she had a Inquirer magazine. And we were, blo- we, you know, first of all, I didn't even know any of the people in it. I don't know why it was so good to us, but we <laughs> read it all summer. Yeah. Like just constantly we're reading it. Um and I remember the first time I saw Entertainment Tonight, I was like, what? <laughs> this is crazy. Like, why is anyone watching anything else? This is insane. And I didn't even wa- know what they were talking about. I don't right. know why I was so, like, excited about it. Right. And um, But I bet it was the, f- and probably same with Inquire, like, the first time, let me rephrase that. Was it the first time that you had seen, like, splashy graphics and quick moving stuff and all that stuff that's designed to hold your interest? Yes, probably. Yeah. I mean... It, uh, it was it was mind blowing, and I said to my mom, "How much do people pay to, to be on TV?" And she said, "They pay you." And I was like, "What? <laughs> what are we doing on this farm? What are we doing here?" It seemed, "What do you? Why would you choose this instead of that?" Right. Um. So yeah. So I guess the the 
the first thing I thought was I'll write, you know, my mom told me, she said, you could write commercials. She said, you'd be good at that. So then I started thinking, I'm going to write commercials. And how many commercials had you seen at this point? Um, I mean, you know, I've been at friends' houses and yeah. watched TV. And I remember seeing the first time at a friend's house, um, Monty Python. And that blew my mind. I was just, I kept saying, what is this? What <laughs> is this? It was so funny to me. And I look back and I think, I'm proud of myself. I was like, I knew, I knew even taste. back then. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Was your family funny? <laughs> um, my dad's very funny. Um, they, um, yeah, they're funny, but they, they, they enjoyed me. Weirdly enough, like they would let me go crazy at the dinner table, do impressions of people. <laughs> you know, I was allowed to do shows constantly. Mm-hmm. They'd sit around and watch me do shows. Like I remember doing magic shows and they'd be like, are you ready? You're coming out. And they'd all be sitting on the couch and I'd come out and do my. <laughs> so I had a, a puppet that I would do a, you know, a, like a comedy sort of skit with this puppet. And they would watch like it's the, you know. Well, you have a kid. You don't know yet. Your, your, your kid's too young. But it's hard to watch a kid do <laughs> plays and stuff. You're like, okay. I'd love to look at my Twitter right now, but I can't. <laughs> oh, I can't look at my Twitter in front of him because he wants my phone. Yeah. So that's probably the hardest part of motherhood for me. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping it to yourself. Yes. <laughs> Sneaking your Sneaky, phone. Exactly. And yeah. then like... Sometimes I just can't take it and I'll pull it out and then I'll like try to stuff it in my pocket real fast and then he'll see me. Right. He busts me. Uh, okay. So were you, would you say you were like class clown? Yeah, definitely. Um, like obnoxious probably <laughs> to a lot of people. Not that funny. Mm-hmm. And my dad would tell me stories about his childhood and um, his childhood was you know, dirt poor also in Saskatchewan. And they had a one-room schoolhouse. Mm. And um, he would tell me these stories about, I don't know, pranks that they play did and stuff to the teacher. And so then I would read, you know, I would try to do it. And it was just, it never worked out. It was never funny to anybody. I bet it was. So then what happened next? You're putting on shows, you're writing, um, and then what was the next sort of career thing that, or, or your, what was your next step? Um, well, I was going to, um, just like write a novel or something. And my mom convinced me, uh, to go to college, which was an actual co- Cause in Canada, you call them universities, but I didn't go to university. I really did go to like this two year college, which was radio and television arts to make my mom happy. Um, but it was g- great cause I learned a lot actually about, um, advertising you know we just sort of learned a little bit about everything and then um we uh we were encouraged um in the summers to go and work on you know any kind of like production that was happening and they know some production places so they gave us um you know a list of like places these offices you could go and and um just for free kind mm-hmm. of work on these productions and there was filming this is all in Canada this is all in Edmonton and um they the the one place I went was uh um they were d- doing a movie called Sylvan Lake Summer and they said uh I'm waiting in the offices and I can hear somebody having an argument on the phone about that the um the continuity girl that they called them then um 
it wasn't coming mm -hmm. from Vancouver. She got another job, whatever. And um, so then they turned to me and said, what are you, what are you here for? And I said, oh, I'm, I do continuity. And they were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then they gave me that job. And, that is ballsy. Um, yeah, and it, and it paid a lot of money. And um, I went to the library at the, our school and I got a book on continuity and I started reading about <laughs> what it was and how to do it. And um, the the whole, you know, when you're the director and the DP, they were really nice. And um, I think they were a little worried about me in the beginning um, because they kept sort of telling me how I had, I was making the notes wrong and stuff. And then, um, I caught a really big continuity error, like maybe second or third day. And then everybody was like, Oh, good. Do you okay. remember what it was? We were shooting out of order, obviously. And then the, the guy was in the scene that I think had already, he'd already died or he'd already was out of the movie. And I was exhausted. I was really tired and I was just looking at the scene and just, um, I don't know why my brain just was like, this, something's up. And then I just go, I think this guy's not supposed to be even alive right now. <laughs> and they were like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so then, then they were all cool about it. And then I, I sort of, you know, felt myself, too, mm -hmm. and started doing it. That's and then I did, like, three or four of them. That's cool that it was like just a a sensation of like something's off. Yes, yeah. More than like a yeah, because I don't know my right and my left. I'm not detail oriented. I mean, I that was not a good job for me necessarily, mm -hmm. you know. But um, but uh, yeah, it was it was fun. It Do was you good. consider yourself a pretty intuitive person? Um, you know, yeah, I do. I don't like to talk about it because it seems creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I believe the universe is telling me things. <laughs> no, but I've never been a person that's known how to intellectually move from one place to the one thing to the next mm -hmm. to, to, you know, when people are like, oh, this is how you go get a raise or this is how you go do this or whatever. My whole life, I feel like has just been kind of, it's almost like out of my control, like, mm -hmm this happens although I guess I've done stuff to make things happen but it's it's never really been an, an intellectual thing do you trust that like what's meant to happen will happen I don't even know if I trust it it's just that is how I've lived my life like you know I didn't set out to be a comedian but then I saw comedy and I was like this is um, this is like so something I could write I didn't want to necessarily do it but then people were like oh you have to do it there's no writers in comedy it's stupid and uh but there are I mean this was Canadian showbiz okay. you know back in the mid 90s so they they weren't paying anyone to write jokes mm -hmm. for them um and then I just started doing it and then people just started taking me on the road with them and then it just you know it was like this thing that just kind of kept happening right where I wasn't really and I'm still like that like when I moved to New York you know you're supposed to go and and um, audition at these clubs I never did it I just sort of was like oh go here someone would take me there I would go on stage there it just sort of happened naturally I didn't ever I'm not good at pushing when I push things to try to make it happen and never it never mm -hmm. really works out so you did some continuity, and then what happened next? So then I moved to Vancouver to become a copywriter, mm -hmm. uh, my true dream, <laughs> uh, to fulfill my mom's uh, ambitions for me. <laughs> and uh, Did I, you think that's what you wanted to do at the time, though? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, well, I was, I was a, a good writer. I knew I was a good writer. I never, in 
ever I've had so many insecurities about so many things but I, for some reason writing just I don't know why I just never it just you, you just know you're good I don't even know if I know I'm good I just don't have an insecurity uh, about it I just don't worry about it I don't worry that like you're you're not gonna like it like I'll send right. anything to anyone when it's writing but stand up I'm like please don't watch <laughs> oh it's awful <laughs> Even my own podcast, I don't want to retweet it sometimes. I'm like, oh, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> Let me just transcribe it and then I'll give it to you. <laughs> um, but uh, so then I went to Vancouver and I was working as a copywriter at this agency. And then um, uh, th- then I was I was freelancing and this agency would give me a lot of freelance work. And it was just stupid shit like writing, you know, blurbs for um, menu items and, you know, safety equipment pamphlets and stuff like that and then um i had to supplement my income believe it or not <laughs> uh so uh somebody told me that there was a comedy club that was hiring a, and it sound, i was like well, that sounds amazing they were hiring a hostess like yeah. you just get to sit and watch comedy all all night and um so i went and got that job and then i was like it felt very similar to writing copy mm-hmm. watching them do the stand up although the first t- you know the first night was just it was magical. I mean, I just couldn't believe how funny these guys were and how amazing they were. And then the second night, I was like, they're doing the same thing again? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> um, but then, uh, you know, I, I wrote a lot of jokes that first year for comedians that didn't want them. But it was really good training for me. Did they know? ever use them? No. <laughs> um I I guess like one of the guys would it would used a couple of my jokes or a couple of my like tags or something, but they weren't that interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they said you got to just you know you got to do it at some point. So at some point I got up the nerve and I did it, and then there was no looking back. And you said that you saw comedy, and then you thought I could do that. Do you who, like who were the comedians that inspired you? Um, well, Ian Bag. I don't know if you know oh, who yeah, he is. I've He's very funny. He was one of the first He's also comedians. Very tall. Yeah, he's very tall and he's just he's 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 really brilliant. Mm-hmm. He's a really brilliant guy. And uh yeah, so he'd probably been doing it two or three or four years and I thought he was the greatest comedian I'd ever seen. I mean, there could have been no one better. And then there was um oh, what was the other guy's name? Colin. Oh, there was there was a, a, a lot. Uh, oh, Craig Campbell was one of the the comedians that was really really good. Again, he was probably doing it two years, and I was like, "This guy is <laughs> amazing." <laughs> but they were um, joke tellers. Everyone was a joke teller mm-hmm. back then, you know, at that comedy club that I worked at, Punchline, in Vancouver. And um, um, I was they were they were they were great. And then there was this woman there who's really funny, I got, I wish I could remember her name now. And uh, I just thought she was so ballsy because there was no other women really doing it professionally. You know, there was women on the open mic nights, but, um, and she was, you know, she could hang with them. She was really cool. And when I started doing stand-up, she took me aside one night and told me I was funny. And it, it, I swear to God, it, it was, life-changing for me i i held that in for years and years and years i mean probably still to this day mm-hmm. i think about she thought it was funny she, she <laughs> told me i could do it um so that was like no i can't remember her name <laughs> and i but you can remember her words <laughs> <laughs> i can remember her compliment to me what were your early what was your early material like um you know very um 
self-effacing and uh well when I really first started I was doing these kind of more the style that I have now you know sort of uh like with a big twist earnest setup big twist Mm -hmm. at the end and um people kept telling me I was doing it wrong they were like you have to take the mic out of the stand and walk around the stage and (laughs) talk to the audience about your yourself and your Mm -hmm. life so um I did change and I did do it that way. And it's weird. I, when I acted like a comedian, I would do really, really well. Interesting. Yeah. But it wasn't good. Mm -hmm. Like it's just a weird thing. And said, eventually I came back to doing the way that I started. Do you think that is because the audience is like trained to respond to that kind of posture and cadence? Yeah. I think that's the way everyone was doing it Mm -hmm. then. And, um, I think too, as a woman, if you, I, you know, I give this advice to comics all the time, female comics. It's like, just talk louder (laughs) because there's some, when guys get up, they're very loud a lot of the times, you know? And, uh, oh, you just turned my mic. (laughs) Oh, I turned you up. I meant to turn myself. Oh no, I don't know. I thought you were turning my mic up. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I turned the, I turned the headphone volume up because I wanted you to be louder in my head. (laughs) Um, so, you know, because I think sometimes when you're quieter, it reads as insecurity, you know, and, and, you know, you, and so when I would take the mic out of the stand and, you know, sort of strut around the stage, mm-hmm. it read as confidence more. Right. And that's what the audience liked better. Right. So at some point you came to America. Yes. When was that? So then I was... Or, or do- unless I'm skipping over stuff. No, I... St- so when I started doing stand-up, then I moved to, to Toronto um, from Vancouver, was still doing stand-up, and uh, I decided I was going to move to America, but I didn't know how to do it. Um, and I didn't I guess have the t- States is probably what you called it, right? Yeah, we call it the States. Okay. Go to the States. And um, I'd never been. And, you know... P- there was sort of this thing like, oh, so-and-so had gone and to LA and he came back in eight months, you know, <laughs> nobody could make it, you know, it was like this depressing thing, you know, it was like Jim Carrey was the last guy who went and made it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, I was like, I'm going to do it. Um, but um, there was a TV show called Caroline's Comedy Hour and I'd seen it a couple of times. I didn't have a TV still, weirdly enough. Um Still wasn't a, a big priority for me. Um, but I called information or whatever and asked for Caroline's Comedy mm. Club in, in in New York where they filmed it. And I, you know, whoever answered the phone, I was like, who books the show? And they were like, what? <laughs> and I was like, who books this, the, the TV show? And I, I got put on hold a couple times. I, I just kept saying, who who can I talk to about the TV show? And they finally put me through to the manager of the club who booked the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, it's so weird that I just, and he said, um, he was incredulous that I had called him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, how old are you? And he asked me what I looked like. Hmm. Now I think. Hmm. Um, what did you say? <clears throat> and how old were you at the time? I think I was uh, twenty three. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, um, he said, he said, "Are you cute?" And I said, "I've been told uh, by a couple of fellas <laughs> something, you know." And um, so he, I don't know why he was kind of taken with me. And when I look back on it, I think 
he must have been su- he must have been surprised that this Canadian comedian mm-hmm. had but I thought it was exactly the way that it was right. supposed to go. I had my notebook in front of me in case he wanted me to tell him jokes. <laughs> and he said, I have workmen in my office and if you can make them laugh, they're fixing the ceiling. I'll put you on speaker and if you can make them laugh, I'll I'll give you the TV show. Oh, wow. I was like, <clears throat> thank you. <laughs> and then I just started doing jokes and uh, I could hear them kind of laughing uh-huh. and I would work off that, doing a little crowd work with the guys in the uh working in the office and uh he gave me the tv that's show. amazing yeah that's so cool so then i um he, uh, he i got in touch with a manager who had tried to get in touch with me another time i'd been at the um i hadn't been at the montreal comedy festival but they had put me in a article or something mm. Um, which I didn't know about, but th- th- this manager from New York had written a letter to me at one point saying, I'd like to represent you. And like I was in the mail. Yeah. And I, I, he wrote it to, to Yuck Yuck's comedy club mm-hmm. and I wrote him back in crayon <laughs> and said, I don't know what a manager is. <laughs> I, like, I thought it was being so funny. <laughs> um, so then I, I got in touch with that guy and, uh, he got me in touch with an immigration lawyer. Wow. And um, yeah, so then I went and did the, d- did the show and bombed really, really bad. Really? On, what happened? Uh, I just, I just, the nerves got to me, man. Mm-hmm. It was overwhelming. I didn't realize with the, the cameras and getting hair and makeup, I, I was, it was too much. Right. <laughs> was it a like too soon, too fast kind of thing? Um, Maybe. I'd only been doing it a couple of years. Maybe even only a year. No, maybe two years at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was, it was, um, yeah, and all my material was about being Canadian. And, <laughs> you know, I remember having to change certain things, certain phrases. I don't remember now what they were, but that, oh, nobody will understand what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, uh, and the audience looked mean to me when I looked out. I was like, I could, uh, it was awful. <laughs> It's really bad. I cried afterwards. Mm. It was bad. What happened when it aired? Um, you know, went without. I had a good story. I remember when I went back to to um, Toronto and sat in the Yuck Yuck screen room and told them all how I bombed. We all laughed really hard about it. <laughs> so did the manager get you in touch with an immigration lawyer? I don't know that much about immigration. Was that with the intention that you would move here or well, was that just Well, he did, but I didn't know it at the time, but okay. he had he but I had to get some kind of paperwork done in order to work there. I see. For that at least that one time. But within it's hard to remember now the exact timeline, but I think within months I was living in New York after that. How did that happen? So that manager had gotten me um two more TV shows in while I was in New York after the Caroline's comedy hour amazing um Bef- like in the same trip in the same i'm i'm almost positive it was the same trip it could have been another trip but i think it was and when i came to i was going to stay at the hostel and the manager who i'd never met he said no you can stay at my house and i said uh i don't think that's a good idea and he said um i live with my fiance and he put her on the phone and her and I talked and then I said, okay, I'll come. And so I went and stayed at their house. What did and you ask? Like, is he a perv? What are you guys into? <laughs> I don't remember. How did you assess? How many quilts do you own? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't But remember. something put you at ease. She was, uh, she was really nice and I liked her uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
um, we got to know each other much better. And then her grandmother had been living in Harlem and had passed away sometime shortly after I'd, you know, moved to, to New York. And so they put me in that apartment, fully furnished. All her clothes are still there. There was food in the fridge. Wow. And um, I paid like five or $600 a month for that huge ass apartment. It was mm-hmm. really good. So I never had another job. I just did stand up from then on. Was that adjustment hard? New York was really hard. It was really hard. It was like a lot. I mean, I thought I kind of, you know, knew big city because of Toronto, but I mean, New York, he he said to my manager said, I'm going to teach you how to use the subway. And I go, Oh my God, we have a subway in Toronto. Thank you. And then I went down to the subway and I was like, ah, because Toronto is two. Oh. It's like it goes that way right. or that Either way. you're going north-south or east-west. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was a lot of... Yeah. Um, There's a real subway learning curve. I still remember... So I lived in New York for nine years. And I had um, this, like, dumb confidence of, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go there and I'll be, you know, the toast of the town and everything's yeah. going to go great and I'll have a job. Really, I went there without a job. I'll have a job really fast and... It took me a long time to adjust. It took me a long time to like get my footing there. But I do remember my sister was living there. And I remember early on, I don't know how it happened. We were going somewhere together on the subway and we had to change trains. And then I just remember her getting on and the doors closing oh, and me God. just watching her. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. That's my fear with my daughter and I. <laughs> it's like, she's going to uh, be stuck on the subway without me. Yeah. And I never saw her again. Oh, that's <laughs> I know. What a sad story. She's still riding the rails. Still riding. Yeah. Still looking for you. <laughs> She'll come back one right, day. Right. Um, okay, so you said, so New York was hard for you. It was. I remember one of the times going to Boston Comedy Club, which was this old comedy club in the village. Um, and it was a tough place. And I, I was working there all weekend. And I didn't want to go back. I just, every set, I was like, oh, God, I got to go do this again. And um you know, they would sometimes be booing already before I even got to the mic, you know, it's like, cause they would introduce me as Canadian comic all the time. And then people would be like, (laughs) you know, whatever. And, uh, I remember I was standing outside that club crying. I did a lot of crying. (laughs) And, um, and this comic, I wish I knew who it was. I don't know who this comic was, but he came up to me and he was like, you know, going to give me a pep talk about, I was like, I just, I want to go home. I can't do it. And he said, you know, it takes a while to get your New York legs. You know, it really does. It took me a long time, too. And I said, oh, yeah, where are you from? And he goes, Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) It's different. (laughs) And then at some point you lived in L.A. And then um, about a year after moving to New York, I got a development deal. Wow. And uh, with CBS. How did that come about? So I went to, I got um, Montreal Comedy Festival. Mm -hmm. It took me coming to New York to get the festival. And um, then when I was there, I did new faces and they, that, and then I got the CBS development deal. That's awesome. And so then I moved to New York or to LA to audition for CBS shows. You know, how was that? Um, It was good, but I wanted to write the show. So I wrote a sitcom for myself that nobody would look at, you know, I was about, um, it was about an alien a girl from another planet where on her planet women were um you know the the 
what's the, the matriarchy was uh-huh. the thing. So she was always trying to, you know, stump for man's rights, and she didn't like the way men were treated. You know, <laughs> interesting. I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, Maybe you should bring it back now. I know <laughs> it still seems a little relevant. relevant. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was very condescending to men because <laughs> she's like a. I don't know what it would be called, the feminist. Like, there's no word for it when you, when you want man rights. I guess. Well, a man. I mean, (laughs) I guess there's no need for it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, So you auditioned for CBS shows. You wrote a pilot, and you were here for eight years. Yeah, you said right. Mm -hmm. And then I got I got jobs writing. Uh, you know, my development deal money ran out. I did do something like sixteen pilots or Mm -hmm. something when I was here, and uh, but I really liked I, I, I. I, I, it's so weird. I guess kept pushing that I wanted to be a writer. I, mm-hmm. I directed little shorts and stuff like that the whole time I was here. Um, and nobody, my managers, my agents, nobody would um, bite on that. Mm-hmm. They just kept sending me out to auditions. Right. Well, you and I were talking before we started, and you were saying that you don't have an interest in being on camera, but you keep getting they. they well, because keep it's complicated. Because it's like. I will be on camera for certain things, you know, there's, you know, I like, um, um, you know, obviously doing stand up and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do stand up on television anytime somebody wants me to. <laughs> and, uh, I just, it's the acting part. It's mm-hmm. not that I hate it and it's not that I wouldn't do it. I want to do cool stuff with cool people. It's just not the number one thing right. on my list, right. you know? And, uh, but I guess I was pretty good at auditions cause I just, I kept getting stuff, you know? So even though I was like, and when I didn't get stuff, my manager would accuse me of, you know, because sometimes I'd be like, this is so dumb. This is so awful. And he'd be like, you blew it on purpose. Is there truth to that? No, I don't think so. I always wanted, I mean, I have my ego gets in my way sometimes. <laughs> I Do still you, want people to think I'm good. Was that that same manager? Um, no, that manager um, was, uh, he was, you know, whatever. We went our separate ways. For various reasons, he was because he, he was very interested in me being this one thing, and I was, you know, he wanted really me to talk about growing up on a farm and stand up and stuff, and mm-hmm. to really like hone that six minutes of, and then he was going to sell the sitcom of me, you know, fish out of water. But the right. problem was is that the audience never really bought it, and it is a weird thing because it's like to be that character, you kind of have to go up like, oh my god, what about what's happening? And I never was, <laughs> whoa, one of those lights are bright. Um, but th- I never, I just never had that. I never had that kind of, people never suspected that I grew up right. on a farm. You seem or sophisticated. Was, I seem so sophisticated. <laughs> I mean, I was smoking those long cigarettes. That didn't help. I was wearing black turtlenecks all the time. No, um, I, it's not that. It's just that, like, you know, maybe Canadian, my mom's educated, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Canadian farm people aren't as different as everyone else i don't know right it's uh it just never worked and and also i wasn't a good enough comedian to really like talk about it in a real way so there was just like these dumb jokes Mm -hmm. about growing up on a farm which never really resonated with the audience i could never really get it to work and relate so it was very it was like frustrating to have my agents and my managers always sitting down having meetings with me about like talk about the farm Mm -hmm. Why don't you talk about the farm? Shut up about the fucking farm. I did stand up for like a minute and 
I liked it at the very beginning and then um like I did well a couple times and I'm like I'm ready to you know go on to the bigger clubs yes. and uh <laughs> to be booked on important things and I, I uh, which is silly um, I did not realize at all how much of a discipline it is and how many years it takes and all that stuff. But well, anyway, if, if people d- did know that, no one would ever right. do it. <laughs> right? You have to have that kind of delusion. But I had met a manager um, when I did Red Eye, which you also did, right? Yes. See, I like doing stuff like that yeah. too on camera. Um, I'd met this guy who was like, you know, call me if you ever are looking for management or something like that. Or no, but I'd had other i think it was that i knew that he represented comedians so i called him and i'm like i'm ready to be a a comedian yeah (laughs) uh i'm doing really well at the open mic and anyway he had so much advice about what i should and shouldn't talk about on stage it like killed it for me oh my god i I got so in my head yes don't talk about dating don't talk about this don't talk about this don't talk about and i even one of the last times i did stand up i even had a joke in my act about my manager told me not to talk about you know i had tons of those that's (laughs) so funny yeah but it just and i know that he was his heart was in the right place with all this advice, but I don't think a man would have received that kind of advice at all. Right. Or all those parameters. But yeah, it just like turned it, it, it turned it into a math problem that I didn't want to solve anymore. Right. No, and I don't I, think that I, that I was the, and I remember talking to another, don't be dirty, but don't be too prudish. Up right. There. Let him know you're a fun girl. Yeah. But don't talk about that. I know. And I remember so. he was saying, don't talk about being single because it's not, this is going to sound like I'm like, patting myself on the back he's like it's not believable that you're having trouble oh dating. i listen i've heard too? I, I was like, but i was my, my, the story of my life was trouble dating i didn't i didn't hear that advice but i heard it all the time it was like a common thing that people would say oh look at her just talking to you know if you were a self-denigrating comedian they would say you're too pretty to do that kind of comedy right. but then what, like that's, what what kind of comedy is it that where people are like, "Hi guys, I'm amazing. Yeah. Um, I've never had problems getting a date. <laughs> right? <laughs> Why aren't you laughing? Yeah. Why aren't you laughing? I feel like Natasha Leggero is like the only one who can pull that. But right? That's like a it's that's a, a character it's a pose. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um. Okay. So anyway, so then you had a you had a new manager who was no longer trying to force you to be a farm girl. I'm assuming. Um, I went through a lot of different managers. And then I ended up with uh, Messina Baker, who was really good. Um, and uh, yeah, they didn't they didn't try to force that. But mm-hmm. you know, I I I do. There was a woman that worked there that was my go to person. Sometimes I felt like she was saying things that were, um, I don't know how to. Like one time she told me, like, yeah, they just they don't think you're sexy. They just don't <laughs> see it. So I, I was like, how is that helpful to me? Like, <laughs> right. Should I go Jeez. get a nose job? I don't know what to tell you. I don't I don't know how to change that mm-hmm. part of it. Yeah, they just don't think you're good looking. Oh. Jeez. I was like, okay. Yeah, sometimes I'm, I got a, I did an HBO special where they said in the HBO, in the, in the review in Entertainment Weekly. So this was 2005. They said, uh, so they did HBO did five or six half hour HBO specials mm-hmm. and um um it was like Jim Norton, Patrice O'Neill, uh Louis CK um I don't remember all but like you know some some pretty rough and tumble guys and the review said uh that um I was too dirty and I'd really have to like 
work on other material if I wanted to hang with the guys. They, by the way, mentioned twice in that review that I was pretty. What? Um, and I remember being really angry about it. And uh, my manager was like, well, that's what they believe. <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote it? Do you remember? There was an, I tried to find out the writer and I never oh, could. They didn't have, a, it was just a like byline. a blurb and then my picture in it. And by the way, I don't think I look that good in that fucking HBO special either. So it's not like, but it was like, I, I, now when I think back, it's like so much sexist shit happened that you're just, you know, I guess you're just a wash in it and you don't realize that it's right. happening. You're just like, I mean, I was embarrassed about that from that review so much that I never promoted it. You know, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't even use it as a credit sometimes. I was like, oh, because it's so bad and it's so dirty. And it's like, and then I think about like Jim Norton and fucking right. Patrice, what were they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if I want to hang with the guys. And it's guys. so tame when you watch it now. It's like, Oh, it's that's infuriating. It is, goddammit. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Um, Still available on HBO On Demand. You met your husband at some point when you were out in LA. Wait, did you also do Last Comic Standing when you were I out I did here? Last Comic Standing. I met Rich before I did Last Comic Standing, even though we made up a story that we met on Last Comic Standing. We knew what we were doing back then. Um, no, so I met him at the Comedy Cellar, and um, uh, we started hooking up every once in a while. <laughs> um, and, and he was he was fresh off Last Comic Standing. Mm -hmm. I remember he came to L.A., and um, he was driving you know, his rental car, and I was sitting in the passenger seat, and I was like, hey, we can't let anyone know. I don't want anyone to know about us. You know, let's just keep this on the DL and you don't need to be bragging about my dear friends. And stuff. <laughs> and somebody pulled up aside and was like, hey, Rich Voss. <laughs> like, okay. Um, but, Why did you want to keep it on the DL? Well, you know, I dated a lot of comedians and um, I just felt like it was because I like comedians. Um, I'm not ashamed of it or anything, but I just, I you know, you just, it's like you don't want this to become like everybody's business all right, the time. Right. Um, no, I didn't tell anyone until we, we were married. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he, so then he convinced me to do Last Comic Standing, which I was like, I'm not right for that show. I'm not good. You know, I was Why? like, I mean, I never went on the road. I was mm -hmm. like a, a writer kind of comedian. I'd done some late night already, but I was like low energy and, you know, very joke driven. It was like, not to me the kind of comedy that does you know well with the masses necessarily mm -hmm. and uh but he convinced me that it was going to be you know really good for my career and stuff and um it could have been you know if i had been i i i went about it the wrong way you know i was trying to be cool if i just sort of like loosened up and let's let happen it would have mm -hmm. been so much better like you know they didn't have podcasts and stuff back then but it's like a great training ground in a way for just letting your fucking shit fly. Right. I remember doing a, an interview where I was like thinking about every answer. Like, hmm, let me see how I should word this and how it, should, how it could come out funny. You know, and the guy who was doing the interview at one point just like fucking blew up at me. He was like. What did he say? He was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, just answer the questions. Just answer it honestly. And I was like. I'm trying to be funny. I don't want to go on TV and not be funny. Right. But. Oh, that sounds like a nerve wracking experience. Then. It was like, yeah, it was not, it was not great. Even though I won the whole thing. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Did it help your career? 
Um, I don't know. I guess more people knew who I was. And then uh, um, I went to Montreal that right after that it aired. I was I was in Montreal doing shows there. I did the the um, what do you call it the uh, the televised. Uh, I don't remember what it's called now, but whatever the TV show for the for the, mm-hmm. at M- uh, Montreal, and I got reviewed, and the reviewer said, um, "I don't know if I, I got." She gave me the best and the worst of the fest. She goes, "I don't know if I love her or hate her." I was like, <laughs> "Maybe you shouldn't be reviewing things, <laughs> yeah, isn't that fucking your job? Your job is just to have a take on something." <laughs> So I was like upset. I, I was upset by the show and then I was upset by that. I was like, my career is over. And then HBO gave me a special. So I don't know. Cause the HBO said they liked that, that um, I was polarizing. <laughs> <laughs> Did you move back East when you married Rich? So then I moved um, to New Jersey mm-hmm. um, right after the HBO special. I got married, had a baby, you know, right when I should have probably been going on the road and, I'd done a Comedy Central special right after the HBO special, mm-hmm. just a, a couple years after. Um, I'd already had, a, I'd just had the baby when I ha- did the Comedy Central special. Wow. And I thought, ah, oh, see, you can do it all. And you can, <laughs> ha ha. But it, it got really hard. Yeah. <laughs> did you always want to have kids? Yes, absolutely. And I, I really do wish that I'd started earlier and had more, but mm-hmm. life oh. is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I... uh I was just thinking, I was, I was walking to therapy from my car to therapy. I don't actually walk to therapy. Um, and I was thinking about how I feel like, has my ambition waned since having a kid and now being pregnant again? And like, I know that once I have the next one, that's going to tie me up for you know quite a while again. Um, and yes, I think it has. I think my ambition is not the same as it was. Like I'm not, you know, I feel, feel like I've accomplished less now that I have kids and stuff. And I think I'm okay with that. I think I don't know. I don't know what the alternative is, you know. Well, I think you just have to kind of the, like the thing is, is that, you know, there's all this talk about like equality and, you know, um, uh, Natasha Legero tweeted recently like, oh, isn't it awful that guys need to take 48 seconds after a baby to get back into their old lives? <laughs> right. Whatever. I can't remember what her actual tweet was. Um, I'm sure it was funnier than that, but um, it's like kind of true. But there's what? Do you, what else are you gonna do? I mean, right. I certainly didn't want to leave my baby. Right. Like I just didn't, and um, I didn't. First of all, I didn't know how much I was going to enjoy being a mom um, to a baby. Like I thought, oh, I'll probably just have to get through this first part until mm-hmm. she starts talking. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I, you know, um, I loved it. I loved. Be- I I didn't mind not going in doing stand up. Although I could see it ebbing away and I knew I had to mm-hmm. sort of keep a hand in it somehow. So I did go on the road until she was almost two. And then when I started having to pay for a flight, that's when I stopped. But then I started making the movie, um, the documentary Women Aren't Funny. So that, you know, I just still, I, I just was like, I just need to be creative. That's my goal in life is just mm-hmm. to always have some creative thing going on. So, um, yeah, I mean, my stand up is probably took a backseat a lot of times and but I do think I ended up becoming a much better writer a more um efficient writer Mm -hmm. you know because you got you 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 can't just like you know before you'd spend all day just what's that funny right yeah I mean I think back on 
because I, I worked in magazines and I think it about working in an office and like, I really just fucked around on the computer yes. doing God knows Me what too. for hours. Me too. Um, even at my, even at my like TV writing jobs, I would just, I mean, you were just always wasting time, wasting yeah. time. Whereas I guess when, yeah, when you have a, when you have a kid, you do become much more efficient with like, I have this amount of time mm-hmm. and I want to just get it done and then I want to go home and, uh, etc. One summer I had a job when Raina was like maybe four um, where they wanted me to come into the office. It's, it's, it's such a shitty thing to do. But so I went, I went into, I went in to get this job, this TV writing job and uh, this interview for it. And um, it was a weird thing. You had to watch real videos and write the stories of these real people and, uh, and then write this, the script that they were going to reenact. And, um, so I went in, I got the job and they wanted me to come in, you know, five days a week. And then I was like, oh, I can't come in five. I just can't do it. I can't. Uh, and so they said, okay. So, you know, they gave me a number and said, can you, but you can work from home three days a week. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So I accepted. And then like two days later, I called them back and I said, uh, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't come in two days a week. Like I just was like, I, I, I don't even want to do that. Like driving into New York mm. and getting a nanny and all that shit. So um, they said, okay, you can you can just do it from home. They let me do the whole thing wow. from home. They would send me the videos. I'd write them out. So in the morning, I would get up and I would do like an hour and a half. Before Raina got up? Before, you know, well, you know, because she was, while she was playing or doing mm-hmm. or whatever. And then uh, when we were done that, we'd go to the pool, hang out, you know, whatever. I'd come back, you know, maybe around four o'clock. I'd work for another hour and a half and then I'd send it. So it seemed like I was working all day. Right. Right. I got it in the morning and then here we go (laughs) at night. But it was like, you know, I could just really do so much more. I was so much more efficient working from home. than I'm impressed that you were able to do it. And you did that without a babysitter or nanny or anything. Right. Yeah. That's impressive to me. Because now my son is, is. 20 months so maybe when he's four i'll yeah. be able to do more but like well when when Raina was that age i used the naps yeah a lot you know i would write during the nap times right but then I, when the naps went away i remember just being like <laughs> when did that happen because he still takes a hearty nap in the daytime it's hard to remember now all the time yeah. lines but i think maybe around three okay yeah when i think so about, he's down to one nap right he's down to one nap it's usually pretty it's from like well, it for a little while it was from one to four, like a three-hour nap. Yeah. Now it's a little more like two hours, and so it's like from one to three or two to four. Yeah, um, yeah. I and know. I used to keep Raina. I I remember one time when she was a baby, I was like, "Please be a ten a.m. a ten p.m. to ten a.m. kid." And um, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and then she. I mean, I guess it was m- my doing, <laughs> you know, but I didn't like force it. But um, she would go to bed at like t- 10 p.m. at night and wake up at 10 a.m. Oh my God, so, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I don't know why. And then I'd have babysitters every once in a while that would try to force her to go to bed at seven. I'm like, why? Like, yeah, she doesn't she have to get up get and up. get a job. <laughs> they were really upset that, you know, and then we'd have to lie about our, we'd be at the park and people would be like, well, it's lunchtime. I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> we got to go get lunch. Right. We'd be, like, we'd be off by like three hours. <laughs> yeah. Elliot was a, 
like 6.30 to 5 or 6 baby yeah. for a long time, which was I'm, – I'm a night person. So that was really hard. Um, so I switched my whole schedule. So I started getting up early. And I was like, this is how productive people yes, do it. Yeah. Like <clears> – <throat> By 10 a.m. I had accomplished so much. Um, But then it started – it actually shifted pretty quickly recently. And so now he goes to bed at 8 and he sleeps till 9 and it is amazing. That's great. It's amazing. That's perfect. That's so much better because then you have your night too. I know. It's it's so nice not having to get up really early. (laughs) Um, But I know that that's all going to change when the next one comes. Well, you could do your prayers. I <laughs> that's right. Your phone is doing something. Oh no, it's it's just ring. It's um, my daughter put it on. Uh, this is my husband. Don't okay, <laughs> it's like for the hearing impaired. Oh, that light I see. Comes on. It's like strobing. Yes, because I always have my phone on silent, mm-hmm. and so I, th- my daughter was like. Well, you're gonna notice your phone one way or another. <laughs> I have to tell you, Raina is uh, has always been on my list of potential girl names. Although apparently, I only have boys. So oh, but I oh, you know, name. you're having a boy. Yeah, I'm having yeah. another boy. You can call him Ray. 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 That's true. Um, yeah, but no, Ray that was Rich's name. name for her. He picked it because he wanted um, a, a Jewish name, mm-hmm. and uh, it was supposed to be spelled R E I N A, mm-hmm. and he spelled it wrong. <laughs> as rich will do <laughs> so we were gonna go change it and then we just decided out ah, what the hell is her actual name katrina or is that a no it's just reina it says that i where did i read that <gasps> oh that no because i made a joke one oh. time in my set about it was right after oh katrina and i said i named my kid katrina i think it might be on it's I don't a know dumb it's joke Wikipedia. i don't know i should have done it it's some someone took it seriously oh, or as a joke lots of it. people yeah that's so funny, but not in a while. But but I remember like doing radio interviews where they were like, "How's Katrina?" and I'd be like, "I I don't know. I didn't go." <laughs> so let's talk about women aren't funny. The yeah. documentary that you made, um, which I when did it come out? Because I remember watching it some time ago. Um, I, I think it came. I think it came out seven years ago. Okay. So what is that? Twenty eleven, I think something like that. Um, and I thought it was so good. Thank but you. but now I'm having trouble remembering a lot of it, be, and I'm blaming it on pregnancy because pregnancy has taken my removed my brain from it's my fine. head and just put like a cloud in there. I don't remember stuff that happened <laughs> last night. But I recommend everyone. Is it on Netflix? It's not on Netflix anymore. They took it off those bastards. But um, it's on um, uh, SundanceNow.com, mm-hmm. and you can also get it on uh, Amazon Prime or okay. iTunes. You can still buy it if you want to. Gotcha. If you want to help us out. So can you um, talk about what made you want to do the documentary? Well, in all honesty, in the beginning, it wasn't very, uh, you know, noble or anything. I just was trying to think of something. I wanted to make a movie, and I was trying to think of something, you know, because I, I was going to start staying home, not not going on the road anymore. And, um, I, I wanted something that people would be interested in talking about and, you know, that I had access to. So, um, I started thinking and just one in a, ho- in, you know, I was in a hotel one night I was on the road with Rich and I, I just popped out of bed in the morning and I said, women aren't funny. We need to do a documentary about it. are women funny or not? Because I knew everyone has an opinion about mm-hmm. it. And, but it, I really didn't, I, I wasn't thinking of it in terms of like, sort of oh, i never went into it thinking 
people don't think women are funny. Mm-hmm. I, it never occurred to me that that would be an actual thought people had. Like I'd heard it so many times, but right. I just thought people were busting balls <laughs> and being jackasses and stuff. And so I just thought it was, I was going to make a really funny movie mm-hmm. about this topic and people love talking about it and women in comedy. And right. um, it, it wasn't going to be any kind of like feminist take on it or anything. And then it just started draining me when people just kept saying women aren't funny and I was like like I remember interviewing Doug Stanhope who I love and he's a great guy and I don't mean this in any bad way but um like I didn't ask any of the comedians beforehand what side they were mm-hmm. gonna take or anything and he was like women aren't funny and I kept thinking like I'm sitting right across from you right like why are you saying that like you know I'm funny and um yeah, he just sort of like kept doubling down on it. And I kept thinking, oh my God, this is like, this is shitty. <laughs> this is not fun anymore. There really was a point in time in that documentary where I was like, this is like, now it's like psychically weighing on me. Mm-hmm. But How do you feel about it all now? And now I look back and I think it was sort of um, ahead of its time in a way, because a lot of people sort of said like, oh, this is not necessary. Like women are equal now. Like you right. know, what are you doing? <laughs> and uh, obviously that's not true. And I, and I want to make another one. I just want to remake that one. Like mm-hmm. say, um, I just want to catch up. Say this is still exactly the same. <laughs> We've come nowhere. Um, but uh, yeah, it seems very tame by today's standards mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, we did we did talk a lot about why, you know, there aren't as many women in stand-up and stuff, but now there's the whole, like, we didn't ever really, you know, we made a couple of jokes about it, but we never touched on, like, the sexual harassment aspect of it all. Mm-hmm. I mean, that hadn't even started yet, really, like, even though we all knew about Louis C.K., everyone knew. I don't know if you knew, but everyone in comedy knew about I it. I did not no, but a lot of people that I know in showbiz who aren't in comedy did know. Yeah, it was like a thing. He joked about it at the Comedy Central table once. It pissed me off. But um, Yeah, I mean, what did you think about it? The fact that you, like, did you avoid him? Or was no. he, because he's kind of, was he kind of part of your group of people that you hung out with in New York? I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider him a friend of mine, but definitely somebody that I talked to when he was at the Comedy Central table. And when that incident happened with Dana and Julia around, I I think it was like 2001 or something. Um, We laughed about it. I was friends with them. Um, And I wonder now, did we not think it was a big deal? Cause like I said before, we were sort of like, did they, were they laughing about it? Oh yeah. The thing that pissed them off, which pissed us all off uh, was that, either their manager told them not to talk about it or mm-hmm. Louis's manager had told them not to talk about it. That's and they I, wanted yeah. to do it in their set. And we were really angry about that. We were like, fuck that But they were getting silenced. Yes, that was the more... Because the other part of it was like, you turned around and he was naked. Ew. <laughs> right. Like, you know, but I don't remember... But a lot of things like that where I look back and I go, oh, that was gross. Why did I put up with that? Why was that okay? Because mm-hmm. I think that we were all sort of like swimming in the ocean of sexism and not seeing the big picture a lot of time, you know? Yeah. It's like, now we've drained it. We can look around and be like, oh, what were we putting up with? Yeah, I know. I think back on a lot of, because my first reaction was was like, I'm so lucky that I have not personally been assaulted. 
and then I look back and I like, oh, that was my first take too. Every, and now there's like a thousand. Oh my god! You yeah, think about a thousand yeah. incidents. All these <laughs> things keep bubbling up that I had. I mean, and and thankfully they're not like any sort of vicious physical assault, but right. they're all they're all questionable, weird, just like weird exchanges and conversations that I had. That, Stuff that affected your career, probably. Yeah. 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 I can think of many things. And and also then you start to look back and you think like, oh, that was, um, because I, I remember, you know, sort of just saying to myself, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be one of those people that complains about sexism. Mm-hmm. So I just never did. I never, if somebody said you have to go on first, I went on first, like, well, for the people introduced time, me as, you know, for the longest time, there's, I think, a danger in being seen as one of those people. Yes. Who will complain. And there probably still is as much as it feels like the tide is shifting. And I hope it is. But it's like fucking Trump was yes. mocking her on TV yes. last night. Yes. What message is that sending? Yes, you know, exactly. No, of course. It's um, don't. It's like it don't rock be, the boat. It could be career suicide if you're seen as someone who's going to be. Right. Uh, problematic in that regard. But the other part of it, too, is that when you're like, if you do complain about it, people, it, they can just come back at you with, you're not funny. That's right. the problem. Right. Well, it's like, so I, it's, it's unquantifiable. In yes. A way. I had a job um, and then I brought in uh, the, a friend of mine who got hired in like the same role as me. And I found out he was making 10,000 more a year than I was. Oh, no. And I remember him saying to me, it's not my fault that I negotiated better than you. Right. And like, that is kind of true. That's how I, I didn't. Right. So you internalize that as like, oh, I did it wrong again. Yeah. Like I didn't see it as sexism. Right. Now I do. I saw, I mean, I felt it was unfair, but it was like, you know, I, he managed to. But the thing about it is, is that there is truth to that. I see that as a true thing. You probably didn't negotiate as good as him. But the reason you didn't negotiate as good as him is this. Because I'm a woman. (laughs) Because of this sort of like you're you're taught really early on that you're not quite as good. Like you're you're always put a little bit on a lower Mm -hmm. thing. So then you internalize that. And then you go, oh, it, so it is sexism in a way because totally that's is. the reason yeah. why you can't, in the end, negotiate or you know somebody who did try to negotiate and they got... I was always afraid of like asking for too much, pushing them too far, make, I, you know, I just like wanted to be agreeable. Right. Because that's how... We're raised. Yes. That's how you're taught to do it. I'm, th- and that's, that's exactly, even though I'm sure... You know, I mean, I got yelled at by men all the time in my early career. I, I, I did not know why or how it was happening where men would just start fucking losing their shit on me. And like, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to stop it. Sometimes I would just think like, <laughs> we don't know where it went or where it's coming from. Right. What happened. But n- now as I'm older and I look back, it's because like I would make jokes or I would be too um, cocky or, you know, lots of times they'd say to me, um, I want to fucking bring you off your pedestal or you think you're so great. I'd get that all the time. These were male comedians saying this? Sometimes it was male comedians. Sometimes it was male club owners. Jeez. Um, one time I got fired from this club and it was embarrassing because I was the middle act and I, it was a, um, 
a small club and a lot of the people in there was a, a, a bachelor party and they were unrelenting. And um, I did my best. I tried to handle it the best I could. I, I didn't like, you know, now I'm so over it. I would just be like, <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore and get off the stage. But I, I, I'm, you know, I, and, and the club owner came up to me afterwards and started lecturing me about how bad a comic I was. And he said, Jesus. you may have five minutes and you may get on TV, but you're never going to do this. This is never going to be something that you do. And as he was chewing me out, the, and the headliner was on, the bachelor party left. They left the club. The guy walked the, the whole fucking bachelor right. party. But that's fine. So I'm still getting yelled at. And, you know, my mechanism at that time was when you're getting yelled at was to just shut down and not yeah. say anything. And then he wanted a response. And he goes, you're not going to say anything? And I, go, I hate this guy. <laughs> I oh, my God. I'm having such an emotional response to he this. Said, he said, um, he said, uh, he goes, you're not going to say anything? I go, I guess I'll just get paid. Which I didn't even, I wasn't smart enough or emotionally like in my head uh, thinking like this will get him. Right. It was just like, I guess I'll just get paid. Right. I don't know. Done. What the fuck do you want me to say? And um, he blew up. And I... I got paid and um, I went out to the car and w waited for the headliner because the, the MC and the headliner, uh, we'd all driven out together. And um, Were you sad? I was distraught. Yeah. I don't want to say I was crying again, but I was crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it was, it was bad. And then, but by the time that those other comedians were so nice, Dean Obledala, is that how you say oh, his yeah. last name? He was one of Obedala, the, he was the yeah. MC. And they were so kind and nice to me, you know, ripping apart the club owner right. and saying it wasn't my fault and stuff. And um, by the time we got back to the city, and we had sets in the city when we got back, and because um, this was on Long Island. Um, Wait, you had what? We had sets in the city. We 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 oh, done I think the said show. We had, we had sex in the city. We had sex I was like, in the I city. I cannot understand this. <laughs> we did uh, we did the Devil's Triangle. <laughs> oh, my um, favorite drinking game. <laughs> and then, um, so then, uh, <laughs> gotcha. Um, by the time, and then I ran into um, David Tell, who mm -hmm. I told uh, the story to, and he said, now you're a real comedian, <laughs> you know, which I would like. So it was like a badge of honor. Yeah. And then the next morning, my manager said, you have to go back and you have to apologize <gasps> to him. Ah! And I was like, I'm not doing it. I won't do it. And he said, um, if you- Had he heard about it from you or from the owner? The, the, the owner had called him. And told him, I guess, that I was just this making me mental horror show. Yeah. You know, I bombed. And then I wouldn't take his advice, or I don't know what he thought I should have said after that big speech, or whatever. And um, I said, I'm not going to do it. And I owed my manager money. And my manager said, um, either you're going to pay me that money, or you're going to go back and apologize. And I didn't have any money, so I went back. Oh, it was awful. It was yeah. the worst How thing old were ever. You? Um, I was pretty fresh in New York, okay. so under 25. Yeah. So I went into his, I w went there uh, before the show started into his office and he, I said, I wanted to apologize for my behavior last night. And he gave me this long talk about what I needed to do on stage. <clears throat> and I just kept going this, right, thank you. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you. Until he was finished. And then I just went on stage and did my set the way I always did it. Came off. And he goes, wasn't that so much better? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, 
my god <laughs> yeah i was like whatever happened to him i don't know he sold the club and the guys who run the the um cl- that club and two others in long island are fantastic they're so good to women they're they're really amazing so what does at least rich think there. about stuff like this well, the thing is, is that when you're a woman in comedy and those kinds of things happen to you, you definitely say, oh, it's because I'm a woman in comedy. Mm-hmm. But then when you marry a man comic, you realize like, yeah, they're not having those same issues. Though That probably was because I was a woman, mm-hmm. but he's having his own. I mean, people get disrespected in this business, you know, unless you're a huge star, you know, so he, so I mean, yeah, like he has empathy about that stuff and he's not like, you know. Shut up. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> He's, you know, he hates that guy for doing that. He knows the guy. He would, if he was on this podcast, he would tell the guy's name and mm-hmm. he would, you know, um, which I don't remember, but, um, you know, uh, but he has his own. He has a, he has a hundred stories like that for himself. Right. From, you know, just people being shitty to him. People, him going into a club and doing a set and then not getting paid, them deciding not to pay him or whatever, you know. Those are, it's just, there's a lot of shitty things that happen to, to everyone in comedy. Yeah. To everyone, probably. Maybe more so in comedy. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's an equity in a, in a lot, unless, unless you're, um, Judge Kavanaugh. <laughs> Bad things have happened to you before now. <laughs> That's right. Do you think he's going to get confirmed? I, I, I. Nothing would surprise me at this point. In yeah. But I don't understand why they don't just, like, even just the fact that he's lied about, like, even take Drinking. her out of the mm-hmm. the conversation. Even the things that he's already lied about prior to that. Why don't they just uh, put some, give somebody, there's got to be another person. I know. Like, why are they fighting so hard for this guy who doesn't seem like he'd make a great Supreme Court justice? Right. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, part of it, I think, is that he thinks that a president should be above the law while he's the president. So I think that's why Trump wants him. But I don't know why the rest of them are fighting so hard for him. The thing that I find the most depressing about all of this, in addition to all of it, is just the feeling of like it is a crooked system. It is. So oh, crooked. I know. It's well, that's that, that's that's what What's depressed me so much. Yeah. When I was, I was like, how how are we still in this situation? Yes. How, like it's still just white men deciding for women what's going on. It's like how how could at this point Roe versus Wade be in jeopardy again? Yeah, it it's we have to we have to do away with religion. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Um, okay. Let's yes. take some questions. Cut that part out. <laughs> so we don't get hate mail. No, we're going to get it anyway. So <laughs> do you actually want to take it out? Or should no, we no, it? I'm just kidding. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, no. If I, if I don't get at least four death threats a day, I feel like I've done something wrong. <laughs> I'm yeah. not out there. You're doing my job. Uh, okay. Let's do some questions that listeners sent in on Patreon. But first, I need to talk to you guys about Brooklyn and Sheets. So I have a few different sets of sheets and I alternate. And when it's time for the Brooklyn and ones to go back on the bed after I've washed them, I'm always the most excited because I know that I'm going to sleep better. They're just the most comfortable. They're like thick, but they're not hot. 
Um, they're really, they come in a bunch of different colors and I'm a big fan of blue and white and I have a blue and white comforter. So I selected blue and white striped sheets and blue and white striped pillowcases and they look really good on the bed, but it's mostly just that for some reason I sleep better on them. I do not know why it's because deep down I love luxury, but I love not paying a luxury price. And that's Brooklinen. Brooklinen sheets named winner of the best of online bedding category by good housekeeping. Uh, Brooklinen is the fastest growing bedding brand in the world. Over 20,000 five-star reviews. It was started by a husband and wife team. Uh, they stayed in a, a fancy hotel and they loved the fancy hotel sheets. And then they, when they were checking out, they asked like, how, you know, can we get these sheets? And, and apparently they were like bazillions, I think thousands of dollars, something insane, something where it's like, how can they be, <laughs> you've got to be able to get sheets that aren't this expensive. So they made it their mission to f- make sheets that are source sheets, source make, etc. sheets that felt this good, but weren't for like astronomical super marked up prices. Um, and uh, now they are offering them to you. Most betting is marked up as much as 300%. So what they did is they took out the middleman, kept things personal. Uh, it's just between them and the customer. So you get luxury sheets for an affordable price. My Brooklinen sheets are the best, most comfortable sheets I've ever slept on. Brooklinen.com is giving an exclusive offer just for my listeners. Get $20 off and free shipping when you use promo code BESTFRIEND at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so sure you'll love your new sheets that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code best friend at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code best friend. I'm going to say that again because sometimes when people see it, they're like, oh, that's how it's spelled. I was imagining something else. I think they're thinking of the borough in New York if that was like something you're doing. No, it's B-R-O-O-K. L-I-N-E-N, like the woman's name without the E, and then linen, Brooklinen, B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code best friend. Brooklinen, these really are the best sheets ever. Let's take some questions that listeners sent in on Patreon. I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go. There's different reward levels. You can get bonus episodes. There's a live stream, all sorts of stuff. So much access to me. You'll beg me to leave you alone. (laughs) Um, And also one of the perks is you get your questions in ahead of everyone else. Okay. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you So Rigo says, what has made you, actually, I just realized I didn't leave a big enough pause for my uh, editor to put the song in. So let me hang on one second. Rigo says, what has made you the most happy about what you do? Um, you know, the th- the thing I love most about comedy, believe it or not, is hanging out with other comedians. I just, I love, like, you know, you go, you do your set, and then you talk about the issues of the day at this table with smart, funny people. It's, it's, um, it's why, you know, it's why I married a comedian, because mm-hmm. I like, I like talking about comedy, and I like that kind of edgy discussion about things. Becky Milner 
How do you keep feelings from being hurt or taking jokes too far, given that you are both comics? Um, well, we, I don't know. That's a good question. You know, we don't, th there are times where I'll say something and he'll say, that's, come on, you know. Um, but I think we both know that we love each other and that so then, you know, it's not like, but even while we're having, we can have a huge blowout fight and believe me, we've had them and still make each other laugh and then go right back to fighting. <laughs> Sometimes we'll say, write that down and then go back to fighting, <laughs> you know? So it's like a weird yeah. <laughs> compartmentalization. And you guys have a podcast, My Wife Hates Me. Yeah. Um, how has, how, how has doing the podcast affected your marriage? I think it's made it worse. For real? People say all the time, isn't it like therapy? And I'm like, I don't know if people are supposed to be discussing their marriage this much, you know? Right. I see other marriages or like on TV, I see this all the time where, um, you know, the wife will say something to the husband and then he'll have some smart retort and then she'll give him a look and then leave the room. And I'm like, oh my God, we'd be fighting about that for four days until we came to some kind of conclusion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they just let it go. What the hell? Yeah. I would, I would, I think it's, I'd like to, I tell Rich all the time, you got to learn to stuff stuff down. You know, <laughs> right. I know that sounds unhealthy, but I really think in our case, we really should. Cause you guys are talking about everything all the time. Yes. It's, and we spend a lot of time together mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, we talk about every issue, you know, we're not on this exactly the same page on everything and yeah. it's just constant. Ugh. That's how my husband and I are though. And I think like, usually it just like we're moving right now and we're doing some renovations on the house we're moving into, which is just a humongous nightmare. And it's like, just, it's stressful. It's putting a stress on, on us. And like, we're both like yesterday we were, we're like two cats who like walk by each other and their hair stands on end or something. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday we were like, there were so many little things that had piled up and we're just like, I think we were, we were both just like irritated and intense um, and, and we were like doing stuff before he had to go to work. So then we said goodbye to each other from like 10 feet apart, like bye right. air kiss, right, you know? Right, and I'm right. like, Oh shit's not, things are not good between us right now. <clears throat> and so then he came home from work and we both acted like everything was fine. And then finally we talked it out and it's like a thousand times better once we talked it out. So I find that like, we have to talk shit out. I guess it's because we have no boundaries. And so it's just like someone else could be in the room. We could be in an <laughs> elevator. I wanted to do this show where we did like public fights where we just <laughs> sort of like had a fight where somebody couldn't get out. But, you know, at the doctor's office or something, we'll just, you know, it's he says something, I say something next thing you know, people all the time. Say one time you go. This sounds like the podcast. One time we were having dinner at like a local place in Hillsboro, uh, where we live, and um, um, we're on the patio eating and just d doing this thing that we do mm -hmm. where we're like hashing something out back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and someone like from the next table over went. It sounds exactly like your podcast. <laughs> That's so like, cute. Oh God, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> um, so I don't know, but you know, I think marriages go in these really, you know, it's like, um, and when you've been married, I've been married 13 years. 
So now I know the the deal. It's like it really like oh I hate him so much I can't. Sometimes I lay in bed and I just be like okay I'll get a divorce. It's just like, but then like you know the next week you're like I love him so much. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I like, you know I get wor- oh my god there's gonna be a time when he's not here. I don't know why I think he's gonna die first. Oh um, well, but statistically I, he probably will. So. I I have these like moments of like oh god there's not enough time for the two. <laughs> and then the next week, I'm like, I hate him so much. I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, Lisa Lowry says, what would be your last meal? Um, Oh, God. Another good quinoa. No. <laughs> Kale. <laughs> um, that Impossible Burger is pretty good. But the thing is, if I knew it was my last meal, would I go meet? Would I just right. do it? Good question. And would I like it now? That's another thing. I don't do even you know if I would like it. Miss meat and eggs or any of that stuff? Um, I do. I still eat eggs. Okay, because I'm pro-choice. <laughs> um, but um, I, I guess chicken would be like when I smell barbecued chicken. That still kind of gets to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe maybe barbecued chicken for my last meal. Why not? Well, I have to ask the eating. How do you justify eating eggs to yourself? Or what's your reasoning behind that? Um, I just haven't been able to give them up. So there's no, but I do, I do, uh, cage free <laughs> and organic. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like you can buy a carton of eggs for 99 cents or eight fifty. I know. <laughs> it's like, mm, which one? I know. I know. Cause I do that too. And then I'll read people who are like, don't be fo-, like Nikki Glazer posts stuff yes. like this. Like, don't be fooled by cage free. It's not humane. These are just I terms. Da, 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 da. I don't know. I think the the best thing to do probably is to have your own chickens one day. Right. Right. Like Bert Kreiser. Yeah, he does. I know. Yeah, I think that I could give up meat pretty easily because I don't eat that much meat. It's the milk and the egg. It's the dairy and eggs that's hard for me. Well, dairy wasn't hard, but the thing is, is like, oh, God, this is going to sound like I have some eating disorder, but I also (laughs) um, am gluten free. Mm -hmm. So... I would there every cracker has a like egg or something right. in it. It's like it becomes this very difficult thing. Like even last night when um my friend and I went out and I had like the vegetable fried rice and there was egg in it. It's like you would be eating nothing mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. You'd be eating quinoa. Quinoa. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do just me or everyone. This is where people write in with things they think or do and they wonder, is it just me? Or is it everyone? And we weigh in if we also do okay. these things. I love this. Okay. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? James Leroy Wilson says, One way the old days were better. I could trust that photos of signs, newspaper headlines, etc. with goofy errors weren't doctored. I never really thought about that, but I guess that is true. I that I think that all the time too. I'm like, I, my daughter shows me stuff all the time. Where I'm like, that's fake. It's yeah. not real. Yeah, I'm such a downer. <laughs> it's true though. Uh, okay, Robert. It's Halloween. Paulson says he have a special seasonal name to himself. My image in a mirror is much more attractive than how I look in photos. The natural crook of my nose, the part of my hair, my asymmetry is all backwards. All I have is power over the hair. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, with selfies, 
those are mirror images, right? I know that I definitely think that I look better. I, yeah, I prefer my mirror image to myself. Probably. Yeah, I prefer my mirror image. I, well, because you go, you go out, and you're like, oh, I look good, and they see a picture of yourself, and you're like, what? <laughs> I know. How is that possible? Yeah. But sometimes, if I, if you can flip it, then I'm like, oh yeah, that looks better to me, even uh, though I don't. Right. Do it because you're just so used to seeing. Yeah. Because yeah. I think too, even like celebrities. Um, that we really think are beautiful. I think a lot of it has to do with that. We've seen them from youth. We, we've, mm-hmm. We're so aware of that image that it's like, they're not even really that beautiful or attractive right. anymore. It's just that we, we we're, we, we're accustomed to it. That's what I hope is the case with me where like people, not, not to say that people know me from youth or anything, but like, I'm just hoping that like, there's a general sense of what I look like and that will actually <laughs> that supersede you, yes. what I currently look like now <laughs> yes. as this like pregnant blob. <laughs> you don't look like a pregnant I blob. I am a pregnant blob. It happened much. I got, I was a pregnant blob with the last pregnancy near the end is when it really, I really blobbed up the most, but like it's happening much earlier in this pregnancy, which oh. I've heard happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I heard that once your body has fat cells, it's always trying to get back to those fats. They, th- those fat cells never go away and it's always trying to expand those fat cells. Yeah. So whatever your fattest was, your body wants to get back. Your body's there. like, let's get back to that. <laughs> but also I know like when I take a picture, what angle now? Really? I need to, I need to learn my angles, I guess. How did you, how did you master I just, cause this? I know I have a, well, from the documentary part of it was, but I know I have, um, a one, like a good side. Ah, I feel like and I so have I a always, you, you'll see pictures of me where I'm supposed to be looking that way. Cause that's where everybody's standing. And I'm still doing <laughs> that because well, I know that's like, well, side. when we go to take a photo lately, we'll discover <laughs> if we both have a good side, if we're both like, like chorus line looking in the yes. same direction. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Have people tried to tell you though, like, no, you're, it's the same. Cause I'll, I, I'll say to people like, no, I, I, there's, I have a good side and they're like, it looks the same. Like it's a hundred percent. To not. the I'm naked like, eye, to the Ellen layman Barkin. maybe, but I'm an expert on this face. Okay. <laughs> right. I know what I'm doing. Okay. Yeah. I wonder though, if the, what we think is attractive about ourselves really, like, is that translating to everybody else in the same way as us? Like when we're like, oh, that's a good picture of me and you right. put it on Instagram and yeah, because yeah, sometimes know. they put it like. Uh, sometimes I have to put a bad picture of me because, you know, I'm doing a show or something where mm-hmm. somebody's used some picture, and I'm like, God, I hate it. It b- bothers me. <laughs> I'm like, Do you want me to retweet this for God's sakes? It's I like, know exactly what you mean, and I don't feel proud of it. <laughs> but then sometimes people be like, they'll put the hot emoji and stuff, yeah. and you're like, Really? I know that one. No, it's weird. Have you ever had? This sounds. This sounds like not a kind thought about other women, but I'm going to say it anyway. Have you ever had a friend that all dudes liked and you're like, I don't see it? Right. Yeah. Um, not, n- I mean, like, not years a ago. friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but a foe. Yes. No, but I think, uh, like, if that makes me sound like, <laughs> that makes me sound so awful. I um, love this. I think all women are beautiful. So yes. I don't really know what you're talking about. Yeah. <clears throat> she, I, I love her. She was great. However, it was like crazy. What does it start with? What does her name start with? Oh, you, this is someone from college. <laughs> you would not know her. Um, it was just like all men were drawn to her. And it was just like she had a power over men. Right. Yeah. I've had friends like that too that they definitely... And, and I think it's that they look like they can suck a cock. Is that allowed? Yeah. No, that's fine. Um. Yeah. She had like... 
Like there's some dirtiness to it. I think, yeah. yeah but also, wait, but what made her look like? Was it like a mouth thing or... I don't know, but I remember, you know, working in, you know, I worked on the man show when it was uh, uh, Doug Stanhope oh. and, and uh, Bert. No, no, um, not Bert. Um, Joe. Joe Rogan. Yeah. And uh, so that that crew was pretty uh, open about certain things. But they they, they would say, like, we go through celebrities sometimes, like who they thought was hotter, the juggies, who, which ones were the hottest. Right. And um, it never had anything really to do with, is you you know they uh, they all had to have a good body you know mm-hmm. essentially and stuff but it really had to do with like they the guy said it, it looks like she can suck a cock mm. like she's gonna get in there I guess that's what my so those were like. the women because I'd always be like you know I can't remember an example but it's like it's not Sandra Bullock you know right. what I mean like that's not who they think is the hottest it's Sandra like, Bullock being like girl next door yeah like okay. she's not gonna. Yeah. Right. She's not going to get herself dirty. But she, who knows? She might. I feel like she she's got might. a good work ethic. Yeah. You know. She's got a good work ethic. <laughs> right. I feel like she'd want to do a good job. Yeah. Okay. Ray Morgan says, think, I think Instagram is for photos and Facebook. No, excuse me. I think Instagram is for phones. Instagram is for photos. Yeah. I think Instagram is for phones and Facebook is for desktops and laptops. Is there another way to do Instagram? Like, if- Well, you can't even put a picture on without. Right. It has to be on your phone. It's an app for your phone. Yes. If there was a workaround, I feel like I would post on Instagram a lot more. Because when it comes to writing, I just don't feel like texting a whole caption. I feel that way too. I'm like, who are these people that are so good? at? But my friend, Allie, she can... She's so fast. She can suck a cock (laughs) and get an Instagram photo up there. It takes me an hour to put something on my story. And she's, she, and my daughter does this too. My daughter's 11. She's got 37 Instagram accounts. She, um, (laughs) does she really have a bunch? I mean, they just keep making more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's got, you know, and it's so crazy. Their Instagram is, I don't know what the hell is going on there. Nor do I. It's like crazy. Um, but they try to give me, you know, uh, tutorials on Instagram. <laughs> Raina does it to me all the time. She gives me tutorials. And then sometimes she'll be like, Mom. So I'm like, <laughs> I have to promote the show. Can you please help me? <laughs> oh, Mom. I've told you. But they're like, this. Uh, click that button. Then you're getting mm-hmm. you're getting a sticker. Now the sticker. What do you want to say? Do you want it bigger? Do you want it in color? It's like, I, I, I can't do it that fast. Looking for an emoji takes me too long. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Especially when I'm like, I, I, there's like the perfect emoji to use for this. And then it like, I'm scrolling, Well, I always forget scrolling. to put it in. I always forget to search it up. Yeah. Wait, you can. Oh, you mean by typing the word? Okay, you, no, no, no. You can, you can search up your emoji. Maybe you ha- don't have the right. Uh, you have to get a. Is an, an app? app? Yes. I don't, I don't have any emoji app. And then, and then uh, it'll go right on. You won't even know it's there. Oh but God. then you can search up emojis. And also, when I'm looking for an app on my phone, I just keep going back and forth, back Same. and forth. And my daughter's always like, mm. search up the app. Yeah. Oh, God. Makes me feel old. Yeah. Okay, question. How did you handle screen time for Raina when she was young? Ugh, this is here's what I want to hear. What I want to hear is, oh, we totally let her have the iPad and da da da, and it was fine. Is that true? <laughs> um, well, when she was really young, we, we would sometimes force it upon her because she never wanted to use it. But sometimes, like you know, you want you need a break, right? So you'd be like, please watch this TV show for an hour. <laughs> I gotta, I can't do it anymore. Um, but then, um, you know, when when 
she we, we at some point she would come on the road with me um i'd stopped i stopped getting a babysitter or she'd come to new york with me and i would let her have unlimited tablet time mm-hmm. and i think that's why she wanted to come and um <laughs> retrospect so i would just let her when she was sitting at the stand or with the new york clubs or if I, you know while i was uh, on stage at wherever i was she was allowed to just you know i wanted her to have her headphones right. on you know and she would just um watch but then I feel like I did her a disservice because then I can I could tell I could see that she was like like when you told her to get off the phone or get off her um iPad she would get angry mm-hmm. and I was like that's addiction like, right you know. so um then we, I let her have it for a, about an hour um not it's it's not like it's an hour a day but maybe at a max an hour mm-hmm. Um, at a time, but she can, and then it's, it really changed her personality. No, you know? this, is, uh, this is scaring me. <laughs> she, um, it's, you know, she just, cause she'd be like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Uh-oh. Um, I said, I don't know. You got to figure it out, I guess. But then, you know, she loves reading. She's always reading now. And, um, you know, she, she makes the videos. We got her a green screen. So she's a really good editor too, because that wow. whatever that skill is that she has with the Instagram, she yeah. she's edited videos for me in five seconds on my phone. That's amazing. Yeah. Um. So she's just um. She just gets creative. She you know she knows how to play like the violin and the piano and the ukulele and stuff. So she makes these little songs and these little musicals, and she loves Hamilton. So she you can hear her cranking Hamilton in there doing a dance or whatever. <laughs> That's so, very um, sweet. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. And then, and then once you, once it, like it starts to slip back into mm-hmm. letting her have it too much, you see her personality change again. And then, and then we saw, but now she's like, she used to fight it all the time where I'd be like, time to put the phone down. That's, you know, enough, whatever. And, um, and she just, she does like hanging out. So mm-hmm. once you remind her of that, right. That like you can just sit and hang out and do your homework or talk to me while I make dinner or whatever. You can have fun. Is this boring to be? No, I think. Well, well, I don't. I don't. (laughs) A lot of them have kids, so I'm sure they're interested. And if not, I'm interested. Um, Yeah. Yeah. When we take the. So we don't let my son have the phone, but he is allowed to sometimes have the iPad. But mostly it's because he'll see it because I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot to hide it. And then I. He sees it and he's like, ah, like he like, I mean, it is like addiction. Like he's like so excited. He can barely hold still. Um, And then when I take it away, he cries every time. And uh, yeah, it's, I don't, it's probably not good. Yeah. And I think each kid is different. Like some, like she didn't have really an interest in it for a long time. Loves it. And yeah. So then you have to like, you know, your next son will be different too. Right. You you know, so that's like parenting is fucking hard. (laughs) It's hard. (laughs) Katie Shrum says, just me or or, uh, everyone, or really does anyone not do this? Push the button at the crosswalk signal less than two or three times. Oh, I just go, yeah, me too. Like, I don't know why. It's very compulsive the way I do it. And then I've heard that some of them aren't even like hooked up to anything. It's just on a timer, you know. Sort oh of like the door. Oh my god! I don't now, know if that's now. I'm gonna now. I can't undo that. <laughs> that's gonna be. In my I don't head know every if time. that's. Yeah, I know. I don't know if that's true or not, though. But I've heard that just like the door open and door close on an elevator apparently aren't real. Oh my! Again, god. I don't know if these are true, but that's what I've heard. 
uh, these are the kind of conspiracy theories I love because <laughs> I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my own private testing. <laughs> Please do. Jennifer Takaji says, with all this talk of moving, hoarding, and purging, that's stuff that I've been mm -hmm. talking about, I realize I have a lot of clothes that I love but have aged out of and I cannot part with them. I find it really hard to declutter. I have a little bit of the opposite. Oh, you're like too, too I, decluttery? Yes, but um, I, I did have too many clothes and I, I didn't buy clothes for one full year. Was that hard for you? Are you like a shopaholic? I think I was a little bit. Like, it was weird because I, I, I would just keep buying the same white t-shirt and the same <laughs> pair of jeans and like literally the same or very, different very close. One time I was in the Bloomingdale's <laughs> and I was buying some clothes and uh, I bought a like this is so embarrassing to even admit, but like a, a t-shirt that was like $90, like a V-neck white, just a plain V-neck mm -hmm. white t-shirt. And the woman was scanning and then she came to that and she goes, oh, you're bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, mm. <laughs> and then it was shortly after that, I was like, get it together. What are you doing? And, um, cause I have everything. Like, what do you, how many long sweaters do you need right. in life? You know, it's like, so, it, but it was hard. It was like, you know, getting rid of addiction. And then I just, um, a couple of days ago, um, you know, broke my sobriety and, uh, Oh, this was recent. Your, your clothing. Fast. My, yes. So I just finished it and, um, it was good cause I didn't go crazy and I didn't feel the need to the, cut to me two weeks from now. <laughs> another woman saying you're bad <laughs> you're bad <laughs> but i did in that year clean out my closet many times because i'm i was always looking for something new i was like mm. oh but then you're like oh this sweater i haven't worn in so long why am i not that, wearing see, that that's why i have trouble getting rid of stuff that's been in there a while that i haven't worn because i will discover it and get super into it like years later right well i told myself it's because i was like i would just take everything to goodwill mm -hmm. so like i think to buy more clothes and then i said stop doing it because sometimes later you'd be like oh that jacket is in style again why did i so then i started putting them in bins in the uh storage but then i never go get them out right it is weird watching stuff that I remember from the first time come back into fashion. Um, I'm 43. So you'd think that I've seen this cycle a couple of times, but it, I feel like this is the first time I'm so aware of it happening. Cause I don't, I don't know. I don't know how long the cycles go, but it like, I'm why? Like, Cause what's happening now? The eighties, I think nineties, nineties with the high waisted pants and whatnot. Yes. Okay. Um, and I'm trying to think what else I've seen where I'm just like, I remember that from the first time and right. it makes me not want it again. Right. Like that was my high school. That was high school. I don't think right now is a great, it's not very flattering. Oh, well, like acid wash, like yes. acid wash. Right. I said, like I have no need. Yeah, no I'm not, need. I can't do it. I wouldn't yeah. be able to. There's no right. possible way. Cause I went through it. that. I, we, I, we made that mistake the first time. Yes. Um, we were shamed by it. At yes. some point, we had to look at our acid wash and go, what were you doing? Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, Mary says, I prefer an early dinner hour, like 5 or 6 p.m. I'm tired of being Lean Cuisine's bitch and feeling pressured to eat so much later. Lean Cuisine's bitch is like a, a reference to something on this show. But, um, okay, so she prefers an early dinner and she's tired of being pressured to eat so much later. What time? What time do you eat dinner? Well, I... 
I if I if I if we're eating dinner past seven, I feel like a bad mom because then it just becomes then there's no like hangout time. It just becomes eat dinner, then it's bath, then it's homework, books, bed. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's over. Right. He still eats separately from us because um, I feed Elliot before my husband gets home. We do want to have family dinner at some point. We're just not there yet. But then <laughs> put it in your calendar. <laughs> I know. <clears throat> but if it were up to Daniel. We started eating as a family together. Thanksgiving. <laughs> I know. 2021. It was a wonderful. <laughs> if it were up to Daniel, we would eat at like 10. And that is that feels way too late. To right. Me. Yeah. Um, because I I'm still trying to go to bed somewhat early, so yeah, there's like sort of a dinner tension in the house. We every eat night. so much at night, my husband and I. After Raina goes to bed, like it's just trips down. We just binge watch and binge eat. It's like <laughs> heaven. That's the best. Uh, it was so nice having you on the show. Thank oh, you thank for making you. time. For- while you're it. out in LA for just a little while. Um, you guys, I have a book out, Tropical Attire and Courage and Other Phrases That Scare Me. You can get that. Go to my website, alisonrosen.com. There's plenty of places to click. It'll take you right to Amazon where you can get it. Uh, available in all formats, t-shirts, ringtones, etc. All that on the website, alisonrosen.com. Bonnie, let them know where to find you. Plug all your stuff. Um, well, the easiest way is, uh, Twitter or Instagram, which is at Bonnie McFarlane. And, uh, cause I don't have a website cause I just can't do it. And, um, uh, but, I, but, you know, mostly I just work in New York city, a different, uh, if you're around there in, I'll be in Chicago, December 22nd. That's a rare event, um, <laughs> at the North bar. Um, and, uh. Yeah, I'm at, I don't know when this drops, but um, I'm at the comedy store the whole time I'm here, every night. The earliest would be Monday, and you're already back. I'm already then. back yeah. in New York City. You guys so. miss the best show unless you are there. Yeah, <clears throat> but you can check out our podcast, My Wife Hates Me, at uh, iTunes or Riotcast. Awesome. Thank you so much. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? 